and welcome to Marketing Week Explores. I'm Molly Fleming, a reporter for Marketing Week, and this week we'll be discussing confidence. I'm joined by features writer Matt Barker and acting features editor Charlotte Rogers to chat about marketing's crisis of confidence and ask what can marketers do to claim it back and is there even one to begin with? Now, you spoke to the founder and CEO of Habito, Daniel Hegarty, and CMO Abba Newbury about how they work together on the company's rebrand. Can you tell me a little bit more about that, Charlotte? So um, we spoke to them about some research that Deloitte did around speaking to the C-suite and speaking to CMOs about their different opinions. And one of the stats we were asking them about is um, this kind of perception around who owns the customer experience. So uh, the Deloitte data said that um, 48% of the C-suite think that the customer experience conversation is owned by the chief sales officer uh, versus 11% who think it's the CMO. That's from my perspective... I guess it sort of sits at the intersection between marketing and our product teams. So we don't we don't have a chief sales officer. That sort of sounds to me something that would be a bit more sort of B two B than B two C. And as we sit firmly in B two C, yeah, that's that's a conversation about kind of what features we require, what the, the ultimate customer need is, what the research is, and then that, how that kind of builds up into the grander narrative of who we are. But so yeah, I would I would think of that as a joint responsibility. Yeah, totally. I think there's a difference between marketing data and product data because one is more kind of real and instant than the other that that marketing doesn't happen in the moment much as we'd like it to so I guess if you're being fair to some businesses they'll trust product data more than they will trust marketing data because it's coming in that moment and it's sourced and a lot of marketing data still sits as maths and hypotheses because people don't just see an ad digitally, click it, and then come to the site. So I, th- I think maybe that's what they're trying to say. They talked to you about this as well, Matt. Um, what did they say to you? They basically roundly poo-pooed everything Deloitte said, which I thought was really interesting because, as you mentioned there, they're from a digital background, um, and they're from a, a, a sort of scenario where everything is, is, is accountable, everything is quantifiable, including um, the role of the CMO. Um, and yes, there's this idea that they, 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 they're the voice of, of, of the customer, very much so. But it seems in a digital environment that, that CMOs are a lot more involved um, and is a lot more accountable. Um, and certainly in terms of any kind of crisis of confidence, as I say, they, they roundly you know, uh, scoffed at that, actually. I guess we've talked about who owns customer experience and whose responsibility it is, but I want to know who owns the marketing strategy conversation overall. Yeah, so the Deloitte data again was kind of looking at this um, as a question and it said who leads the conversation marketing strategy and 64% of CMOs said that they did. But when they asked the, um, their C-suite peers, only 43% of the C-suite said that CMOs own the marketing strategy conversation. Deloitte also asked finance directors um, the same question. So 84% of CFOs said that they lead the conversation about finance and 70% of their C-suite peers agreed. So there's clearly a lot more, um, within finance for example, a lot more finance um, heads get credit for leading strategy much more so than in marketing. When I asked Abba and Dan about this, they said um, it seemed like there's a lot of dysfunctional um, organisations that have been answering these questions. These must have been some pretty dysfunctional organisations for this to be the case. I don't know, do you feel like you own the, the marketing strategy, Abba? <laughs> yeah yes um obviously um i'm trying to i'm I like, i'm trying to kind of explain these things and i think there's definitely a lot of people have views on marketing 
but they might not necessarily have views on finance and spreadsheets in the same way. So there might be an element of it not sounding as negative as it does in black and white, but it's much more that they feel that they get input into marketing strategy, which should be constantly evolving, whereas spreadsheets potentially are a bit more have you hit your business plan or not. I'm being kind. Isn't that your line, isn't it? Like, everybody knows how to do their job and marketing. And marketing. (laughs) Um, What did they say to you, Matt? Basically the same thing. Again, it goes back to this thing that they're digital, that they're used to working in an environment where it's a little bit more all hands on decks and and everybody owns their roles. But I think this is is fascinating because it's kind of the core of the Deloitte findings, which is is looking at areas around confidence, and we, we have, a, a, my image, as soon as I read those stats, was an image of a, of a CMO in a large organisation, possibly financial, maybe not too creative, going in there, talking in jargon, and the rest of the, the board table just sort of turning their backs on them and, and, and saying, well, but you know what, you, you carry on, there you are in your lovely stripy socks and, and, and your nice tie, and, all, you know, and, and we'll just carry on doing the proper business stuff. Um, there's probably a bit to that, um, but I, I think it is fascinating that there's this new breed of company, not even new, I don't know, three years, you can't really call them new, can you? But, you know, digital has, has caused problems for marketers, as it's caused problems for many other industries. But I think it has opened up this idea that what you're doing is accountable, that what, you, what you're doing you can point to. Um, and if you're lacking confidence then, then, then clearly what you're pointing to isn't very good and, and you know. I know you spoke to Dan about how CMOs should use data to their advantage. Can you explain that a bit more? Yeah, so I was kind of asking him whether, um, because one of the findings from Deloitte data was looking at whether CMOs would have a better time of it in the C-suite if they use the same terminology as everyone else, so everyone was on the same page. Um, And he was kind of saying to me um, that because Habito is such a young organisation, they don't have issues with legacy data um, and everyone kind of has a common vernacular. Although he did say that things around long-term ROI and econometrics, there's still a learning curve for other people within the business. And I guess there's like, because we're kind of young enough that we don't have like lots of legacy data, like there's a kind of common vernacular of how we describe things. I still, I would say, particularly when it comes to, you know, brand spend and kind of longer-term ROI and econometric models, there's still like a, a kind of a learning curve for people within the business just to, because particularly when you're very small, like it's so much easier just to spend money on Google and see the clicks come through and know that you're not doing something crazy. And we've certainly, actually before our, but we did some brand spend that actually had zero ROI. So even though at the time we were like, oh, it's not really driving traffic, I'm sure it'll work out in the end, it didn't. So I think there is, yeah, I think there's the possibility to convince yourself of things in the name of brand that aren't true. And I think bringing kind of veracity to that conversation through data is, is really fundamental. Yeah, I think if you worked at Unilever or like Diageo, big brand companies, you dream of kind of having the data that we have, that where you can measure things every day. Like equally, sometimes that's my nightmare because Dan will say, why have you had such a terrible Tuesday? And the answer could be that it was raining or that there was something really good on TV rather than marketing's tanking on a Tuesday. So finding the balancing act is definitely right. But equally... Marketers are guilty of like being scared of the data, I think, because it is pass or fail. 18 months is the average tenure of a marketing director. In many cases, it will take more than 18 months to get the return on that original yeah. um, investment. So I think sometimes because it's so out there in the open and it's so much money and it's so obvious whether it 
is working or it isn't working that can that can make there be a like being scared of the data or a tendency to kind of hide it before they can do the big announcement. Really interesting what we're talking about language as well because there was this sense that marketers can hide behind jargon quite a lot and, and there was a bit of jargon busting going on there um, and, and that marketers need to learn the language of the C-suite. Um, I don't, whether that's strictly true or not, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure because you know if, if, if they don't know, learn, learn, know the language already, then they shouldn't be you know they shouldn't be around the table basically. Um, you, you've got to be sort of business minded. From Coke to Mondelez, I feel like so many of the news articles I'm writing are about the changing role or at least the changing name of CMOs. I want to know if you guys spoke to anyone about how that affects confidence. Yeah, so um, I've been speaking to loads of different marketers, including Dan um, and Albert, about CMO rebranding and whether this is affecting how um, the C-suite feels about marketers. Because um, with CMO tenure being one of the shortest in the C-suite, if um, a CMO leaves and then they come back, but they're not a CMO anymore, they're a chief growth officer or a chief customer officer, suddenly, you know, does that change the conversation around confidence? Because the CFO is always a CFO and they never change. Um so yeah, um, I mean, Matt, you've been speaking to marketers kind of on the topic of confidence in a wider sense. Is this something that people are bringing up with you? It, it's it's in the air, definitely. And as Molly said, you know, it, it's not just in, in terms of this article, but previous articles as well. It, it, it's something that um, you can feel kind of industry-wide. But marketers by nature tend to be a confident bunch. And I think for a lot of them, this is their opportunity. If, if, if they feel like they're not seizing ownership, this is their time to do it because there's, there's space now for them to grab something and say, this is what I do, this is the result of what I do, this is what I'm going to do next. Um, and again, it's back to this thing of, of stuff being quantifiable again. Um, and I think this is the perfect opportunity for them. You're right, I mean, the CFOs, what, what they do doesn't really change, but I imagine there's a lot more responsibility now for them, that there's a lot more accountability and, and you know, times are tough out there, this, this, is, this is what happens. Um, and yeah, this is this is a great opportunity for the marketing to step up. I wonder as well if a lot of the name changing is about trying to get marketers to gain responsibility. I'm sure they are already, but as in for the C-suite, you know, a lot of it is like bringing sales, bringing growth into it. So I wonder if what we're talking about in terms of confidence really links into that name change because that's what the CEOs are trying to do when they change those roles. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Um, it's part of a broader strategic agenda and, as you say, trying to say we're all about growth. This is what mm. we care about. Um, when I was speaking to Dan and Abba, they were talking about this idea of from a founder-led business and a startup, it's often the first thing Dan was saying that other founders talk about is the role of the CMO. Do you have one? Because you, do you understand it? The thing is, he was saying that, especially in the tech business, there's a wide understanding of what it is that engineers do um, and people in coding and that kind of thing. But do you understand what the CMO does? Do you have one yet? Um, so he had a really interesting perspective. All I could say is that in my, like speaking to kind of other founders, like the, the CMO role or VP growth, or whatever they characterize it as, tends to always be the first thing that's asked about. Like there's a view that there's like good engineering talent in London. There's a view that there's good product talent, but like because, and particularly I'm biased to tech, particularly because there's a kind of, there's a basic comprehension of what an engineer does. Yeah, marketing is this kind of voodoo, especially by the time you get to PR and brand, like it's all magical. Um, I think there is, I think it is more difficult for kind of, I guess, C-level employers to, to reach a view on like what, 
what kind of historical competence looks like, what's the right CV for that person, like how much of the, of the money to give them to gamble to figure out if they're right or wrong. I think, I think there's a challenge there. And I think the danger is, is that you read like the, the newest blog post about growth hacking or whatever, and then you're like, we don't need a CMO, we need a CGO. <laughs> um, and that doesn't tend to lead you anywhere particularly great. Yeah, the classic thing that really annoys me is, what's your playbook? Like, there is a playbook that's the same that you can just roll out. And it sort of assumes um, that there's no creativity in marketing. And so I think that book, Lemon, is really interesting in that what it's trying to, to debug is that this myth that there is a formula to marketing where of course the greatest ads break all of the formulas and also break break all of the previous playbooks because they can spend less money or they can be deployed differently or they just take off in terms of awareness trajectory so i don't i think we have to kind of keep like marketing um safe as a word and not confuse it with growth because that does presume that you're going to get everything back um, quickly. Like I think the, the differentiation between performance and brand isn't very helpful because brand drives growth. In fact, brand is our biggest driver of growth. So why wouldn't you pass it through the same metrics that you would a Google ad? I guess we've touched upon this, but do you think there's a risk of marketing being misunderstood by the rest of the organisation, Matt and Charlotte? What, and I wonder as well, what do Dan and Abba think? So when I was talking to them, Abbott um, was quite candid and she sort of said that she blamed the big digital platforms for, in a way, overcomplicating what marketing is so that people um, within the wider, wider organisation fail to kind of understand what's going on and it creates like a layer of confusion. I'm going to blame the big digital behemoths for this because everything that's happened in the last 10 years in marketing has been driven by... People having hive off digital into different parts of their job because it was special and it was different. And all of the crazy um, nomenclature that exists in advertising largely exists in the digital space. And it's been designed to be difficult and complicated so that other organisations can help you do your Facebook advertising because it's too difficult for, for you to do yourselves. And this whole kind of digital culture has made everything incredibly confusing, even to the extent that attribution modelling is largely a piece of smoke and mirrors. And I've audited people's attribution models where at least 50% of the attributed impressions to a click were non-viewable. So the are most definitely non-clickable. So I think part of what marketing has tried to do in order to make itself clever is use clever stuff and say, stay away. But actually, the principles of good digital advertising are the same principles of, of good kind of advertising that have always been there. But we've made it complicated, and that breeds distrust. I think just what, if you imagine when you sit inside the business, like we're, we're just looking through a window at our operations team, like I, I understand what they do. I can look over their shoulder and make, make sense of it. Whereas because a lot of this stuff sits outside the walls of the business, it has its own sort of bizarre nomenclature. It can, it can be harder to comprehend. But I also think like if you're going to be in any C role in a like a tech business, like you have to understand like the basics of digital marketing. And actually vice versa, I found like some of the more common sense like proposition design that like Abba's brought just from like other businesses has been super informative to some of our more kind of 
I guess, newfangled product thinking and thinking about agile and so on. And it's actually like it comes back to the same stuff over and over again. Like, are you? Does the narrative make sense to the consumer? Do they want it? Is it being presented in the right order? So I don't know. This this kind of notion of there being a clean handoff between marketing and the business makes no sense. Like it has to be integrated. Um, I mean, Matt, have you seen kind of people talk about that that there is a, an element of confusion? Um, maybe born out of this, this digital ecosystem? I think whether there's confusion, a really interesting point, a guy called Clive Black from Shaw Capital made to me, and, and, and he said that a good marketeer, a good CMO, whatever level it is, is like a good referee. You don't notice them until they've made a mistake, really. Um, and I, I, I got totally what he meant, but also I think that spoke volumes in terms of, well, well nobody really pays that much attention to what the marketing department's doing. It's just seen as part of the process. Ultimately, I think any confusion that arises is, is, is tied in really with our, with our great digital age, that there's so much data now flying around, and it's who grabs hold of that data, who owns it, and say, this, this is my responsibility for it. Um, and I don't think that's necessarily a marketer's fault. I think, that's, as I say, it's, it's just the fluctuations of, of the marketing industry at the moment, and, and as I say, the onus is on a marketer to turn around, own something, and, and, and say, you know, I'm going, to, I'm going to take this ball and run with it. We've spoken about the dynamics and tensions within a company with marketing, but I want a practical example. How did ABBA bring the organisation along with Habito's rebrand? Yeah, so she was um, in the process of kind of getting the ideas together for the Hell or Habito campaign, which um, you may or may not have seen, but it really cuts through a sector. You know, it's about mortgages, but it really kind of ups the ante with this sort of creative around the hell of going through getting a mortgage to the point where your know, skin's being dissolved and you're being eaten by piranhas. It's very different to anything else in the sector. Um, but to kind of convince the whole business, what Abba did was she'd bring everyone together. She would read through every single script. She'd talk about every single storyboard, every concept to the whole organization so that everybody understood every step of the way um, what the creative was about and why they were doing it so that when it was um, completed everyone got behind it so that's one cool thing that ABBA does which at first I couldn't quite figure out why she was doing <laughs> which was like through the processing of all of that as making a tv ad at every stage from like scripts through to storyboards she'd like stand up in front of the whole company and read out these scripts which are like quite hard to process if you're not a creative but and she had quite a few blank faces particularly when it was like werewolves <laughs> like, like tearing people like silence yeah like, like 100 people <laughs> staring, staring at her blankly um but uh but it was really interesting then but then by the time they get to the final ad and they can kind of like play back the whole story they got there like the level of engagement in the craft of it is completely different actually it was it was smarter than i, I recognized initially Final big question, is it time to reclaim the conversation around confidence in marketing? Yeah, so Abba was saying that absolutely this is this is a perfect um, time. But she said that marketing had a lot to answer for itself in terms of over the past 10 years, things like investing in digital where an ad was being seen by 0.01% of people for two seconds. Like there, there is a lot that, you know, marketers have to take responsibility for as well as agencies and there's a need to kind of step up. I think there's a lot that marketing have done, a lot that marketing have done wrong in the last 10 years, like, as I say, you know, buying so many digital adverts that, you know, less than 0.1% of people even bother to respond to. So I think so, but I think, you know, it's, it's agencies need to step up to the plate, media agencies, creative agencies, and yeah, we're in a, we're in an era where you've got incredible TV shows incredibly um, brave TV shows being built. So we get the occasional um, complaint about our ad 
um, yeah, I was watching Dracula on the BBC and was just like, my ad is nothing compared to that show, which is insane. So I think, yes, it it is a time, but it's also us for us to kind of push the formats, push the broadcasters, um, stop saying it's okay for nobody to have seen my ad and actively try and earn attention. Like it's... Like you can walk into a creative agency in Shoreditch and get them to sell you some batshit ideas. Like that is like any CMO I imagine can go go and make that happen. And I guess my fear was like, I don't want to, we can't just be showing off. Like it can't just be like being outrageous for the sake of being outrageous. And I think like the the kind of the the, the sort of narrow precipice that we walked along was one that was based on like real customer empathy and kind of comprehension of, of the experience of getting a mortgage in our case, which then grounded that gave us license to go a bit batshit crazy with the execution of it and I think that's the for me at least as a like I guess to some degree a decision maker on this stuff like that that's what got me over the line was like that it, that it felt grounded in customer truth and empathy and not just like we're trying to stand out more than the next guy now we focused a lot on Abbott and Dan's experience um but I know you guys have spoken to a whole host of marketers about this and so I want to know I guess first off, do you think the crisis of confidence is real in marketing? I do. I think that it would be really hard if you worked in a discipline where things obviously constantly change as an ecosystem, as an environment, but then your leadership changes all the time, your boss has, or you are the boss and your you know job title's changing, you're under pressure like that. I think um, you know, when we asked people in the Marketing Week Career and Salary Survey for 2020 how happy they were to work in marketing, um, you know, and how well marketing was understood, 50% said somewhat understood by their organisation. Now, there's all sorts of reasons why people are not happy um, in their jobs, but I think something that's quite specific to marketing is this feeling of not being understood, the value that you're bringing. And I can imagine that would be quite frustrating and it would impact confidence. I think as well, you know, I don't want to sound too clever, clever. I think there could be a crisis of overconfidence as well in marketing. Um, I think from some of the marketers I spoke to, uh, and certainly from some of the CEOs and CFOs I spoke to as well, there is, there's occasionally a tendency of marketers not to treat a business holistically, not, not to treat a business as a creative entity, and, and not to then engage with the rest of the, the boardroom on, on, on that sort of level. Um, so I think they, they need to start thinking a bit more um, in terms of business, in, in, in terms of bottom lines and so on. And, and it, it's always been a little bit, well, that, that's above me because I'm a creative and I'm, I'm, I'm going to be, I need to focus on my own little, little separate world. I don't think you can behave like that in this, in this digital age. Um, the other big takeaway, I think, is, is uh, mind your language. You know, basically, you, you've, you've got to sort of um, strip away a lot of the jargon um, and, and just be a lot more open. You've kind of answered my next question, which is what is one key piece of advice you would give to marketers who want to encourage more confidence in marketing, whether that's in their company or in the sector overall? I think transparency is key. I think what ABBA did at Habitat, for example, just bringing everyone along so that you're explaining the whole process um, from start to finish really helps people not see it as some kind of mystic dark art. The idea that um, you welcome comments from the rest of the organisation because actually there could be someone who works in operations who has a really great idea that could be perfect. Um, as Abba said to me, you know, everyone's a customer. So uh, you're almost doing user testing every time you take it out to the wider organisation. So I'd say be transparent and have an open door. You've already given some gems of advice, but do you have any others, Matt? No, I, I think transparency ties in with that as well, with language, uh, with, with, with sort of having a more uh, inclusive attitude um, towards business. Um, 
and, and just to sort of letting the rest of the company in and saying this this this, this is what I do and, and sharing that um, because I mean that's how confidence is bred ultimately I think it's from sort of you know people have confidence in you and that's how you become confident ultimately brilliant I think that's everything I guess my key takeaway is be a better marketer within your organization as well as outside of it communicate mm. better have a clear point of view and language and purpose um but like I said, that's all we've got time for. So we hope you've enjoyed this week of Marketing Week Explores. You can listen to this and our other podcast, Marketing Week Meets, on SoundCloud, Spotify and iTunes. As ever, we're keen to hear your opinions about the podcast. So please do tweet us at Marketing Week Ed. And as ever, if you want to read the content we've been discussing or get more of the best marketing news and insight, go to our website, marketingweek.com. That just leaves me to thank Matt and Charlotte and you for listening.